Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Forever. Dog. Comic books, comic time, writers and artists are on the line. They make a splash as a comic's read and take us on a trip behind the spread. Watch out for comic book commentary. Spinning on winning inside, fix how they got a hot idea. Narrative, character, visual tricks, and onomatopoeia. Uh huh. It's comic book commentary. Hi, my name is Cecil Castellucci, and I am delighted to be here on Comic Book Commentary. Um, I am going to be talking about issue one of The Female Furies, uh, which comes out uh, or came out already probably on uh on February 6th, 2019, and um, it takes place in Jack Kirby's fabulous fourth world uh, and uh, deals with the characters of the female furies and dark side and granny goodness and um, all of that good stuff. Here's a little tidbit for you. Uh, female furies uh, have never had their own book. This is the first time that they've ever had a book on their own. And um, so I feel really excited and delighted. Um, I'm the writer of the series, um, Cecil. And uh, the illustrator is uh, the fabulous Adriana Mello, who had just finished up uh, Plastic Man with Gail Simone. And the colors are done by Hi-Fi, and uh, they really just uh, knock it out of the park uh, with um, with the colors. I was actually talking to my um, one of my editors, um, Brittany Holzer, and she said that um, I guess maybe there's some new paper or something. And Hi-Fi really just sort of uh, punched up the color with the um, with the paper with the paper that they're using in this issue. I think it's one of the first issues that's using this new paper that DC Comics is using. Um, and so uh, so that's really excited. So it's a very beautiful looking book. Um, um, anyway, that's the team, uh, me, Adriana Mello and Hi-Fi and, um, and, uh, yeah, here we go. Issue one. So female furies takes place in the fourth world. And, um, so they were created 40 years ago in Jack Kirby's, uh, you know, the fourth world thing. And so that includes the books like new gods and Mr. Miracle and, um, the forever people, um, and it's like this whole incredibly huge, uh, vibrant, violent, uh, wonderful reflection about humanity and, um, what it means to be evil and good. And, uh, it was just really amazing. And so I decided to, um, do this story because I just finished up with, um, Shade the Changing Girl slash woman and, uh, which was based on, um, Steve Ditko's Shade the Changing Man characters. And, uh, I was trolling around to try to figure out what I could do next. And, um, I took a meeting with Dan DiDio and just sort of said, Hey, I'm here. I'd like to be on some lists. Um, and I'd also Xeroxed a bunch of pages from the, um, DC encyclopedia and, uh, you know, had, uh, looked at that, um, and just was trying to find other characters that I could possibly do. And one of them was the, um, the inferior five that I was really interested in. And so I, you know, I'd zero color Xeroxed uh, the inferior five page and I presented it to Dan DiDio and he was like, Oh, great instinct. Someone else is already doing it. And I was like, Oh, you know, um, which is 
what happens when you're an artist and you're, you know, trying to sort of uh, look around for good ideas and stuff like that. And they definitely are a team ripe for, um, you know, for being reinvented in some way. And so we were just, you know, gabbing, shooting the shit. And, uh, and I kind of rolled my eyes at one point and sort of said something snarky about, you know, well, where are the ladies? Like, you know, where are the women? Because I'm obviously a lady and I'm obviously interested in telling stories about women characters as well. And, um, and I said something off the cuff about The Handmaid's Tale, and um, Dan looked at me and said, huh, if you can figure out that and uh, The Female Furies, we can have a conversation. And I was like, whoa, I know The Female Furies. I know, obviously, Big Barda and Mr. Miracle. I mean, Tom King, you know, Tom King's Mr. Miracle um, was, you know, had just started. And so, uh, you know, was getting to know that a little bit more and was interested by the fact that Ava DuVernay was, um, you know, uh, is slated to do uh, a new gods movie and stuff. Um, But I didn't really know very much about the broader fourth world um, with Jack Kirby. And so, uh, so I said, okay, uh, I know a little bit, but, you know, can you point me to some, um, books that I should read because, uh, you know, that's one of the things when you're trying to sort of reboot something or to look at something or to crack something uh, and, and, you know, you need to do your homework, you know? So, uh, so Dan, uh, gave me the fourth world omnibus, which is like a 1400 page omnibus of the entire fourth world and sort of an order, um, that makes it a really huge sweeping narrative. I mean, it's almost like the ring trilogy by Wagner or something. It's like, it's just operatic and huge and sweeping. And, you know, there's just, it just goes every which way, but loose. And, um, so I set about to do my homework and, um, read the book and I was really struck by the fact that, um, the female furies are on this evil planet of apocalypse. If you don't know, I mean, I'm sure all of you know, but apocalypse, um, which is a hell planet and everyone on there is pretty evil. I mean, the female furies are bad guys. Let's, I mean, bad gals, let's not like mince any words. They are assassins and kill people and are fighters and stuff like that. But, um, they kind of are always not at the, you know, they're not in the inner circle. They're, you know, dark side's elite fighting force, but they don't really seem to get to do very much. Um, and Granny, who is really in, you know, dark side's uh, elite little crony circle, he, she, she kind of, she doesn't get to do very much either. And then, you know, when you think about it, or when I thought about it, I was like, wow. And then he gave her the job of being the mother of all the orphans to train them, like the mother of the orf- like the orphanage mother. And that to me seemed really, well, let's just say it sexist, um, that, you know, you would give this sort of formidable woman, this sort of mother's work, this woman's work, you know, um, traditionally. And, um, and so I kind of looked at that and thought, wow, there's something really here. And when you look sort of ripped from the headlines right now, if you think about Dark Side as like a Harvey Weinstein kind of character, you kind of really, it really starts to sort of take off. And um, a lot of you will know about the famous story, uh, love story, star-crossed of, uh, you know, Big Barda and Scott Free. Well, that too is because that, um, you know, because our um, our girl Barda really has, uh, you know, an awakening. Um, uh, more specifically, she has an awakening in uh, issue nine of Jack Kirby's Mr. Miracle. And so I really looked at that issue and used that as the springboard for what was going to become uh, my arc of the female furies. Um, so, yeah, so that was... Uh, 
that's kind of a little bit of the background of how that, you know, how the project kind of has come, has come about, um, and sort of what my thought process was going into it. Um, you know, I have to say that a lot of people I've seen on the Twitters and on the socials um, ha- are thinking that maybe this is a prequel to Tom King's Mr. Miracle or that it's somehow connected in some way. Um Tom's brilliant uh, run on Mr. Miracle, totally separate and completely unrelated to um, to my female furies. And what I love is that they're very different. Um, oh, excuse me. I just burped. Um, <laughs> they're very different because I ate those graham cookies. Um, they're very different, but they're very similar in the way that they they really sort of like push, uh, you know, push gender things to the limit. Um, when you look at Tom's Mr. Miracle, what I love about it is that it really is a domestic drama, right? He's concerned with, um, you know, uh, what it means to be a family, what it means to be a man, what it means to raise a child, what it means to, you know, be in a partnership with someone with Big Barda. And um, I think that's just really lovely because that's sort of pushing that story in one direction. And I'm taking the story, the same story pretty much, or not the same story because mine's before if you, if there was a before or after, um, you know, uh, and mine is pushing it to the other spectrum of, uh, you know, sort of a gender dynamic where it's like, you've got these tough women who are having an awakening about, uh, what it means to be a woman on apocalypse when you're being sort of held down. Um, so I'm going to dive into issue one now, which is female furies, uh, part one, anything you can do, I can do bleeding. Um, little background information is that that was uh, one of the ways that I came up with the titles for um, this book, just so that there was no vagueness about it being really like, here's where we're going, uh, is I looked at a lot of the um, signs that um, you saw in the Women's March um, in Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, I took the titles, a lot of the titles are uh, are from the signs that I saw in that um you know, which I thought was really fun. And also, uh, you know, because I think this title is hysterical. Um, But, you know, but also I thought really important to really make sure that we're constantly checking in to know sort of what the point of view of the book is. Um, You know, I just want to say that just because this is like dealing with issues of like, you know, Me Too and systemic misogyny and the patriarchy and um, feminism and all of that. This is not just a woman's book. This is a book for everyone. You know, this is the world that we're living in. And like I said, um, if you look at Dark Side and you think of Harvey Weinstein or any of the, you know, um, men in power and Rip from the headlines um, situations that we're dealing with, that's kind of uh, that's kind of sort of the the temperature of what um, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to look at. So um, when we start off, uh, you know, in the book, it's uh, you know our uh, present day and it's Granny Goodness sort of with her um, with her team of Furies. The Furies that I'm dealing with are Big Barda, Bernadette. Um, Mad Harriet, Lashina, and Stampa, and also Aureli. Now, Aureli, um, a lot of people ask me, I mean, a lot of people even who are, you know, um, fourth world experts <laughs> over at DC, they're like, well, who is she? Is she, did you create that character? Uh, no, I did not create that character. Uh, Jack Kirby created that character. And like I said, she is in one issue uh, only of the entire fourth world omnibus. She is in issue number nine of Mr. Miracle. And um, 
but she's a real catalyst for a lot of stuff that happens to um, to our characters. And so I thought that she was a really good, uh, she's a female fury and um, and that she was a good person to have as the leader and to have as the um, sort of um, one of the main characters in the story. So it starts in present day and they're, um, they're trying very hard to, um, you know, sort of prove to Darkseid and his cronies that they are capable and uh, should be allowed to, you know, have a little bit more skin in the fight um, with, uh, you know, the rest of the apocalypse and the rest of the soldiers, the parademons, the arrow troopers, the protectorate, like every single kind of battalion that's out there. Um, rather than sort of uh, not be utilized for um, their very um, excellent um, skills. and uh, But then we go into years ago. And so that's one thing that I really wanted to do is I wanted to sort of, um, you know, go back a little bit into Granny Goodness and her uh, her view of how she survived this sort of um, system that uh, they have in place once Darkseid became uh, the leader of Apocalypse. Um, as you know, I'm sure from your uh, fourth world history, um, Darkseid, uh, you know, had his mother, uh, Hegra killed. And, um, and so I change it a little bit, um, about who actually kills Hegra, but, um, I, I mean, this is all spoilers. So <laughs> just, <laughs> I hope you have the book in front of you and that you're reading along. Um, so I thought it would be really interesting to, um, to have, uh, you know, um, granny, a young granny and how loyal she was and how she really was there, you know, uh, at the, at the beginning of dark sides rise and that she really is responsible for putting him in power and how she expects that she's going to be treated respectfully as such. And, um, but of course, you know, what happens is that, uh, when she fights Hegra, um, and she kills Hegra at the last moment. Uh, Desad throws her some poison, and she, Granny, pours the poison down um, Hegra's throat. But of course, Desad takes credit for it, and Granny doesn't say anything. And that kind of scene is to kind of highlight the way that sometimes men will take, um, you know, they'll take they'll, they'll say that they did something. They'll, they'll take credit for, um, for a woman's, you know, very, very hard work. And I felt like that really sort of set up the dynamic that granny was going to, um, end up having to deal with, um, with, uh, you know, with the, the new, the new world order that she's helped to, um, to, to rise here. Um, and I think it's also really important because I think when you're talking about, um, you know, feminism and awakenings and stuff like that. Like we definitely all stand on the shoulders of the women that came before us, you know, uh, the suffragists and the women who were um, marching, you know, for the Equal Rights Amendment. And, uh, you know, just like there's many, many forms of feminism. And obviously women have been dealing with this kind of misogyny in different ways over different times. And I thought that like having a young uh, granny deal with stuff in her way and then uh, and then have the the Furies who are a new generation who are dealing with all this kind of stuff in a different way would be a really great way to sort of juxtapose and uh, look at how how you know how we're evolving and how ideas are changing and how um, you know what's accepted one at one time is not necessarily accepted at another time and the sort of evolution of um, of how these uh, you know social um, 
things, movements uh, work and stuff. So, um, you know, but uh, all this to say that, you know, Granny decided then that she was going to have her own female fighting force and that she's going to try anything she can to get them to get the respect that she doesn't feel like she has. She wants to make a grab for power. Um, and one thing that I think is really interesting is that I sort of think about Dark Side and I think about Dark Side and, you know, I feel like he put her in charge of the orphanage because he wants to keep her really close because he knows how powerful she is and that, you know, his sort of strategy to deal with her power um, is that he wants to make her use it for him and not for herself. Because I, I absolutely think 100% that Granny could be the— um, you know, the leader of, uh, of apocalypse should she, should she choose to want, you know, to be. Um, so then we're in the war room, um, on apocalypse and, uh, she sort of makes her bid yet again to ask for, um, you know, a, a trial, you know, not, not a trial, like a judge trial, but like, you know, a competition, a, 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 a demonstration of the, um, of the powers of all of the, um, you know, the, the female furies and, and what they have. And, um, you know, they say, okay, fine, you can, you know, try this again or whatever. So then, uh, we move back to years ago and dark side is, um, you know, putting her, uh, uh, you know, uh, in charge of, of things. And, um, and of course, like the, the, you know, his inner cronies, glorious Godfrey and, uh, uh, Desaad and, um, Steppenwolf, like they all think that, um, she's getting special, special treatment. I mean, she's not getting special treatment. She's, you know, doing what she needs to do. Um, but you know, her and dark side have a, uh, particular relationship. And, um, I have always sort of felt like that there's a, a sort of unspoken tension, uh, man, woman tension between, um, between Granny and Darkseid. I don't know that it's a completely, you know, Granny's, you know, thing. I don't think that she loves him in that way, but I think she knows where, um, you know, how she can keep her power. And so she does what needs to be done to not be sent back to be a lowly. And I think that's a real price that she has to pay, um, which is obviously not fair. So, I mean, I'm really trying to like talk about big, big things here. Um, but of course, like she ends up being late. She's, you know, uh, she's she's made to be in charge of the orphanage. And this doesn't really sit well with her because she doesn't see herself as just doing sort of motherly duties. Um, she sees herself as being at dark side side and of, um, you know, really uh, being, you know, in his inner, inner, inner circle. Um, and so she's kind of uh, pissed off about that as, as she should be. But I think that granny is really smart because I think that she ends up using the, um, you know, the orphanage, the terror orphanage as, uh, you know, to her advantage over the years. I think she's such a smart woman that she figures out how to use the tools around her to try to sort of pursue her own sort of dreams of, um, of power. And so, you know, we'll see after that, um, that, uh, let's see, what page is this? I can't even, let me see if you want to keep up. Page one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Page nine. Um, we're on page nine. Uh, and you can see at the bottom panel on page nine, she's dealing uh, with um, Tigra. And if you don't know who Tigra is, Tigra is uh, the woman that Queen Hegra uh, said that Darkseid could, uh, you know, 
breed with basically he made her his wife his his the mother of his child and um and stuff like that and um and you know we find out in the fourth world in my fourth world as well but not right away i i, I mean and there that um that Orion, uh, you know, uh, their child uh, of Tigra and Darkseid is um, swapped, of course, for um, for uh, Scott Free um, in a in a in a pact that is made between um, uh, uh, New Genesis and Apocalypse. So then we move to now, and the women are doing uh, a demonstration, and Aureli is the most um, the most powerful, the most wonderful, the most uh, you know, uh, just capable of all the furies. She's kicking all the other ladies' asses. And, um, you know, uh, everybody, all the all the men, you know, uh, Willix, uh, who is in the protectorate, who a lot of people also ask me, is that a character that you created? No, I did not. Uh, he is also in uh, Mr. Miracle, issue number nine by Jack King Kirby. And, um, uh, you know, the men are basically gazing at the women. And, you know, this is something that we, you know, we see a lot of, you know, in movies and stuff like that and in comics, you know, where, um, where there's sort of the male gaze on the woman. And so um, they're gazing at the women and, um, you know, uh, Granny doesn't like this, but they're, you know, according to her, their demonstration is impressive and there should be no um, no question that the the Furies are ready to, um, to be uh, 100% you know, that glass ceiling should be broken. But of course, there's an obscure law in um, uh, Apocalypse that I made up that uh, that they have to do other things um, to, you know, uh, show their their uh, proficiency, um, you know, in order to be in the um, in the thing. So, uh, you know, as we move on to uh, 10, 11, page 12, um, we see that they're in the locker room and um uh, they, now they're ready for this new inspection. And the new inspection is, uh, you know, this is really all about how it's like sometimes as a woman, you feel like you, you, you do all the things that you're, you know, that you're required to do. And yet somehow there's, they're like the goalpost moves in some way and it's kind of gaslighty and it really sucks. And, um, and so the women now, they also have to do, like the Furies, imagine their humiliation. They have to do a bake baking contest, cooking contest. They have to do a, 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 a gown contest, like a Miss America pageant, a gown contest. And they have to do a bathing suit contest. And they have to do a smile contest. I know that very many women here have had a man say to them, you know, why don't you just smile, honey? You'd look prettier if you smile. And so... Um, I just thought the idea of like them having to do these sort of performative actions to show that they're capable, these performative actions that have nothing to do with um, their actual uh, skills and gift um, would be, you know, a way to sort of highlight the unfair things um, that are happening on Apocalypse. So, um, so that you'll see on page 14, um, you'll see the evening gowns and the bake off and the smile contest and stuff. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, humiliating kind of situation. I do want to say that a lot of the things, um, you know, a lot of people maybe are wondering, like if I've, um, taken off, uh, you know, really gone off the rails from what Kirby has done. One thing that I really like to do, I mean, I did this with shade, the changing girl and, um, and I definitely did this with, um, female furies is that I really 
did my homework. And there are a lot of things. I mean, obviously there's no smile contest in, um, you know, in Jack Kirby's um, fourth world anywhere, but there are definitely seeds of this kind of systemic misogyny that the female furies have to deal with in uh, Kirby's original texts, uh, you know, um, which I think of as the original texts. Um, And they, I mean, there really is like the way that the men talk about the furies, the way that the furies are, um, you know, talk about themselves, um, the way that granny sort of deals with, uh, you know, her trying to get power and the way that she deals with, um, you know, in the way that she talks to the, um, you know, to the Furies, uh, a, a lot of that I'm I'm pulling directly from that and putting it into the arc that me and Adriana are doing. Um, so I like to think of it as like, I'm telling the same story, but I'm sort of doing it from a different point of view. I'm just kind of turning up the volume or like bringing a little bit more of the color out of those parts of the story, um, you know, uh, uh, to, you know, to sort of, um, amplify that part, um, and to be able to tell this story from, you know, woman's female perspective. Um, so then we've got, uh, you know, granny, um, and she's smiling, you know, because, you know, someone tells her, unless you better smile on page 15. And so she's like, we should have equal standing. Um, and dark side says, well, you failed. Um, and I think it's because dark side kind of knows that, you know, him and his ilk, they have to like hold on to their power and, um, and, you know, and sort of, uh, you know, the men, uh, kind of laugh it all off because they think this is just really funny. Obviously they know that the female furies are strong. Obviously they know that, um, that, uh, there's a lot, um, that they have to contribute, but you know, they just like their, their positions. So, you know, granny gets super mad and is like, all right, it's time to go back to work. Um, meanwhile, uh, protectorate Willix has taken a, uh, an extreme interest, uh, in, um, Aureli, um, who is the leader of the furies, uh, right now. And, um, you can see on page 13, if we flip back to page 13, that last, um, panel, he's, uh, he's, you know, the, the balloon says, uh, Oh, really you smell so wonderful. And she says, remove your hand or lose it. Willick, because obviously we know what's happening there. Um, so then Willick, uh, decides to make a deal with, uh, granny goodness that he is going to, um, you know, uh, basically, uh, get, uh, give or really special training. And granny sees that as maybe an opportunity to sort of like a little wedge in the door. And like I said, I think granny really tries as hard as she can to, um, you know, grab whatever pieces of power she can and try to use everything she possibly can to her advantage. I actually want to talk about something for one second, because I want to talk again about the hi-fi colors. Um, one thing, one thing that you'll notice is that, um, Hi-Fi really, especially with like the flashbacks, a lot of times when you see flashbacks in books, they're very sepia toned or they're very like monotone in some way, maybe some black and white. Um, and what I love about what Hi-Fi did here is that they, the colors really are even brighter, almost more Kirby-esque in a way. Um, and I, I think that their use of color is just so, so great in that aspect. Um, once again, I don't know if it's just this new paper too, but it's just, I mean, the colors just sort of are just saturated and just wonderful everywhere. So, you know, um, I, as we all know, colorists are super, super important. And I think Hi-Fi just really knocked it out of the park here. Anyway, or really 
really, uh, you know, is going to go get this special, you know, this special training from Willix. And um, as happens sometimes because she's been sort of picked out, uh, the other... Um, the other Furies are a little bit uh, pissed off because they feel as though um, as though Aurelia is getting special treatment. And, uh, you know, that's um, just sort of, you know, what they think is happening. And so, she, you know, she goes to Aurelia goes to um, to see the, uh, you know, Willix and stuff like that. And what I love here, and this was like something that I described uh, to Adriana, and um, I think she just pulled it off so Great. And I just want to like give a big shout out to Adriana. Um, Adriana Mello is just wonderful and she's such a joy to work with. Um, I really think that this is like a very, you know, it, we're getting deep here. You know, we're getting deep into this stuff and there are some ugly moments that happen. Some, you know, some, uh, you know, like, whoa, oh my gosh, like, you know, kind of, you know, moments. And I think that um, Adriana does them with such sensitivity and grace, um, so that they really, you know, pack a punch and are super powerful. Um, but also, you know, um, sort of just strike the right line of, you know, leaving enough off the page, uh, so that you can sort of fill in your own blanks. Um, and I think that that's really important when you're telling a story like this, because you want, you don't want to distract from what, you know, what the, what the core story is by having sort of like, um, something that's going to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, distract you from, from the story. And I think that's one of the, um, gifts of comic artists is, uh, you know, is how they move the story forward in that way. Anyway, on, on this page, um, hold on 14, let's see, 15, 16, 17, 18, page 18, um, uh, Aurelie goes in and, um, there's this wonderful, so panel, I'm going to call it panel two, uh, is a sort of multi-layered, uh, grid of, um, of, you know, or really being trained. But I think that as you can see, there are some sort of handsy situations going on. And, um, and I feel like that's something that, you know, obviously Willix would not think anything of it. And, um, you know, or is like, this is unacceptable and she doesn't appreciate it. And, um, you know, once again, this is a story that I think, I mean, this story of like someone being handsy in that way, I think a lot of women who are probably listening have had at least one moment in their life where, where that's happened. Um, and so, you know, and I, I wanted to like have a beautiful moment where, you know, we kind of all know what's going on and we don't really need to, you know, to, uh, to, to have a caption or anything like that. Then he's, it gets handsy with her. It's very obvious from this beautiful grid that, um, that, uh, Adriana did. And what I had said to her, um, you know, in the script, I didn't like write like, you know, panel one, panel two, panel three, and like all these little grids is I just sort of like said panel two, I think this should be a grid of like them training and his hands kind of like constantly sort of, you know, moving the boundary of where it's, uh, appropriate to put your hands when you're doing that kind of training. Um, and so I think that that, you know, she did a really great job with that. Um, but obviously that causes her some, um, you know, some trauma. And, uh, you know, when her and um, and Barda go out to, uh, you know, to go on a on a mission for Granny to haul a girl back um from, uh, you know, from running away, um, they are confronted by a, uh, uh, this is a character I created, Rublon. Rublon, he's he's only in this issue. Rublon, who um, uh, is a, uh, uh, 
Steppenwolf's um, bastard son, because I, I figure those guys have a lot of bastards all over uh all over Apocalypse. Um, but when uh, when Rublon, uh, who, you know, the female Furies, are, I, they're ranked higher than a lot of people. And yet, you know, people don't listen to them. And so Rublon doesn't listen to Aurelie's uh, authority. And um, and then he sort of gets handsy with the girl that uh, that they're um, taking away. And so Aurelie just kind of loses it because I think for Aurelie, this is, you know, this moment with Willix after this big competition that got the Furies nowhere. And after all of this um, sort of uh, handsy special training that um, that she got, uh, she's just kind of, you know, like the line has been crossed and this is just unacceptable. And so. Uh, or really uh, kills, you know, Rublon. And one thing that's really interesting is like when you're dealing with um, characters that are on Apocalypse, like I said at the beginning, these are bad guys and bad girls. You know, uh, Darkseid is a villain. <laughs> the female Furies are villains. Um you know, Steppenwolf, villain. They're all villain. Granny is a villain. They are bad people who do bad things and their society is very different from ours. Their sense of what's right and wrong is very different from ours. And so I thought that it was also really important to show that on this planet and the way that they go, they will just kill um, because that is sort of in the fabric of their particular society. Um, so, uh, you know, but in the end, what what you see is that, you know, when they're burying um, Rublon's body at the, um, you know, on a comet to hide what they've done, because, you know, she's not stupid or really. I mean, they know that there are going to be consequences, uh, you know, uh, or really ends the issue. Uh, you know, Barda is like, you know, what, what have you done? Uh, you know, your special training was supposed to help prove that we were better than them, not worse. And Aurelie says, this is us being better. And I think that, you know, it, this is like a moment for Aurelie um, where she is sort of having an awakening about the unfairness of the world that she lives in and that she feels slightly powerless to do anything about it, but tries to do anything that she can do about it. And this is important for Barda's story and Barda's journey as well, because, um, you know, if any of you have read Mr. Miracle number nine by Jack Kirby, the original, uh, you'll see exactly sort of where this is going. Um, you know, Aurelie is very, very instrumental into Barda's own awakening. And so um, that's the beginning of, of this story. Um, and I think it's really, you know, like I said, I think it's really important to, um, you know, to talk about and uh, to um, explore these kinds of things um, in in comics and in superhero comics. And, um, you know, like, but I think that what's interesting is that even though they're all villains, I'm trying to sort of like, they're the, the female furies and granny are the heroes of this story. And so I like to think of it as kind of like, if you watch wicked or if you watch Maleficent or something like that, where, you know, the bad guys are kind of the heroes of the story, um, so that you can kind of get the story, uh, from a different, uh, you know, a different perspective. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about issue one of the female furies. I'm really excited about, um, you know, uh, about the whole arc and, um, I'm really, um, excited about, you know, uh, telling it from this point of view and sort of, uh, making it, you know, timely, um, for, for right now. 
um, and I will say this, I will say that, uh, you know, the great thing about comics and comic book heroes and villains, um, these great characters that people like, you know, Jack Kirby have created, um, all of these characters, they're like our modern myths and they are so able to withstand, um, having a harsh light put on them and to, you know, be cracked and have versions told of them differently. And so I think that's what I'm trying to do here. And, um, and uh, so I hope that you enjoy the book. And um, if you want to hear from, if you want to, you know, follow me anywhere, I'm um, at Miss Cecil on uh, the Twitter. And uh, uh, I just want to give a big um, thanks to um, to Brett Bohm, uh, who, uh, you know, uh, recorded me, and also to Ben Blacker. Um, and uh, to DC Comics and uh, to Adriana Mello and Hi-Fi and to my editors, uh, Brittany Holster and uh, Jamie Rich. Um, this has been my comic book commentary. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.